0: everyone, welcome to Empower, real talk about mental health. I'm Mandy and Becca, my sister, is my co-host. Mental health is more important now than ever before as it impacts every area of our lives. Listen in as we discuss mental health, real-world applications, stories, strategies, and basically all things mental health. I must add that the podcast represents our opinions and experiences surrounding this issue and should in no way be taken as medical advice or take the place of counseling for other professional mental health services. Stay tuned for this week's edition.
1: So today we're going to be talking about the love languages and the effects that they have on our mental health. So you know, most people have heard about the five love languages, um, just heard the terminology, um, even if they don't really know what the concept is all about. The concept created by Dr. Gary Chapman made its debut in the 1990s, so it's been around for a while and is still widely accepted today. Dr. Chapman breaks down the principles that comprise communicating love, which remains relevant and useful in all different types of relationships, from family and friends to romantic partners and and beyond. So uh, psychologists are even in agreement that the qualitative research collected from over 30 years of of marriage counseling points to useful practical applications from which we can all benefit. Um, So let's take a deeper look at each love language and the um, psychology that makes each so sound. So psychologists have concluded that the need to feel loved is a primary emotional need and this deep inner need stirs every individual desire to feel wanted and to belong. So if we are to have a healthy emotional life, then these emotional needs to be loved must be met.
0: So the reason that we wanted to talk about the love languages today was something that we kind of touched on when we talked about temperaments previously. It kind of goes hand in hand. Your character traits, your temperament style kind of dictates how you express love and how you receive love. And it's very important that we know how we give and receive love, and then also how those around us do as well. So like Becca said, it's not just about your romantic partner. It's about your close friend, your neighbor, your mom and dad, your children, your coworkers that you work with on a regular basis. Just kind of knowing them a little deeper and understanding that there is this difference in people will help you and your overall mental health and then also help to feed into others as well. And then we'll talk about the term of how's your bucket. Um, Rob and I use that a lot in terms of how are you feeling full? Are you feeling empty? Like what what is the level that your, your, your love language or your love tank is at right now? So let's talk more um, about the specific love languages. So what are Exactly, the five love languages. So, there are different ways of expressing and receiving love. So, you have several different ones. You've got words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So, like I just said, not everybody gives and receives in the same way. We'll give some examples later. We can talk about kind of how we fall. But, you, just as a quick example, you could be loving your partner in the way that you think is expressing that love to them. And they can be completely empty because that's not their language. You know, maybe they are quality time and you're giving them all these words of affirmation. And you're like, why are you not happy? Because I'm doing all these things, but you're not actually meeting their specific need. So I think it's kind of understandable at this point, how this, plays into relationships but also plays into just your mental well-being. You know, if you're not feeling that love from your partner, from your best friend, from your family, then you're not going to feel emotionally full. Your mental health is going to suffer from those things. So, being able to understand these things or and even the temperaments that we discussed earlier can line up with the love languages. And if you haven't, you might want to go back after this and listen to the Temperaments podcast just to see kind of how they fall together. Let's dive right in. So I'm going to start with just letting Rob kind of give some examples. What is your love language and how is that best expressed to you?
2: Yeah, so my, uh, as far as the love languages go, um, among uh, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch For me, my top ones are words of affirmation and specifically with that, along with the language, if you understand language, there's language and there's dialect. So for me, especially as a man, um, hearing specific words about my, um, how well I'm achieving that sort of inner goal I have to be a provider and a protector. So things around, you know, me being a good husband, me Catching me in those moments when I am, you know, kind of acting as a buffer between my wife and kids in the world, um, being a good dad, you know, handling difficult situations um, well, that sort of thing, those are huge for me. You know, I can sort of ride high on, on those for, for quite a while. And then second to that is physical touch and not just necessarily um, sexual but holding hands, being close, sitting on the couch up against each other, you know, the, the the foot that finds its way over to you at two in the morning when you're, you know, when you wake up in the bed next to your partner, you know, lots of hugs and arms around each other. And I'm chopping vegetables at the, uh, at the breakfast bar or the, the island. And you, you come up behind me and, you know, give me a back hug, that kind of thing. You know, or the kids come over and want to sit in your lap. High five from a friend, those sorts of things. So those would be the top two. And then following behind that is my version of quality time. I know Mandy's very, very, very much quality time. That's her love language. Mine's a little different, whereas Mandy's would be, and she'll talk more about this, would be, you know, sort of, we're just, we're not really engaging in a whole lot, except for each other. We're sort of sitting together and we're talking. Mine would be that someone that i care about is like doing something with me like we don't have to actually necessarily be like 100 focused on each other but the fact that we're sitting there together like engaged in the same activity and the person is like actually enjoying it with me so whether that's we're doing yard work together we're on a hike together we're watching a movie together you know whatever the i mean i i, I stream i'm a dj so maybe being there kind of off camera working you know, in the chat, that kind of thing. Just the fact that we did something together is, it's huge for me. So
0: what would you say are maybe some triggers or things to avoid to get that right? If that makes sense.
2: Hmm. Let me think about that triggers or things to avoid to get that. So I would say that because words are extremely huge to me harsh words are even more difficult to hear so i kind of have you know quite a radar already as a as a dude for you know if you've ever read love and respect from um, emerson Eggert's, um respect is like already a big deal to a guy um so with words that those those things and it can even just be tone it doesn't necessarily have to be like the exact words used Sometimes it's just tone and the way I'm spoken to can be really triggering. Um, so, Mandy does a good job of trying to um, soften and, pre- and and preface things. That sort of build, break, build sandwich of things of not just launching right into the whatever got wrong, but sandwiching that between you know the what what was what's being done right or the things that she knows about me. But hey, this didn't go quite right that's that's really big as far as the trigger goes as far as physical touch i think just the absence of affection or even we and we've talked about this like we have our toddler murphy and you can't help but be affectionate with him because whether you come to him for it or he he's going to be all over you for it or whatever so sometimes i've got to kind of catch myself because i can see you know mandy and murph getting all this like cuddle snuggle time or whatever and I'm like what about me come over here hug on me you know so that can be that can be hard to to take sometimes so you know I have to just grab Mandy and make her just come sit in my lap and talk to me for a minute yeah
0: I mean that's kind of what Murphy does a lot is I'm not initiating this he's just like mommy and he points (laughs) at your lap and he's like I'm coming in like right now so it doesn't yeah but but understandably so I mean I think
2: He's like the puppy that makes you pet him.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, that's that's Murphy. We equate toddlers to dogs all the time because, you know, they're very self-centered and they just want to be petted and they need to eat and then they need to run around and play. But yeah, I think we can already see kind of how these aspects are different for everybody. Becca, do you know what yours are or can speculate?
1: I don't know. I was just, I was i was thinking about it as Rob was talking And um, I'm not sure. And I feel like they might have sort of shifted a little bit over the years. And also, like, maybe, I don't, it might be a little bit different for different people. Because I was thinking about, like, the physical touch is a very, very important thing with my daughter, especially right now. She's also, she's four, she's very little. And I mean, she's definitely bigger than she used to be. And she still wants to be carried, which is harder now, (laughs) for sure but she she's very sweet and very affectionate, and like last night she fell asleep with her head on my shoulder, and it was just so sweet, and I was like, oh I just I love it I, and I do like you know, I love you know, I'm definitely a hugger, so like, um, whenever like my second day on the job um at at my my latest job, and somebody gave me a hug and I was like, "This is my place." so um, it <laughs> <that> was like, <laughs> definitely nice. I definitely find you know value in each of the different love languages, and I do think it's important important to point out like Rob was saying with quality time, those like what those mean exactly for a per- particular person, those can be different. So like we have these five categories, but there it's more granular than that, and you need to like that's why communication is so important, mm-hmm. and like figuring out like okay, well physical touch is like most important to you. How does, what does that look like? Right. And like words of affirmation, what does that look like? Like, do you want me to compliment you on the way you look or how you're doing something? Like, is it something essential to you or something that you are, you know, like actually doing and accomplishing? Like, what does that mean? So I think that that's really important as well. Um, and just something to keep in mind, like, you know, we like to put categories around things because it makes it easier to talk about. But I think it's also important to sort of dive deeper into those. Sorry, sorry, Mandy, what were you going to say? I was just going to
0: say that use this as a guideline, like to get the conversation mm-hmm, started. Absolutely, Because still, like Becca said, within each love language, there are varying degrees that can be all over the place. So um, you can actually just Google love language test and go online and take the test um, and it can kind of give you scores and
2: five lovelanguages.com.
0: Yeah. So yeah. depending on how you answer the questions that are there, they're going to kind of score you. And yeah, you just kind of read in between the lines, but then I would encourage everybody to think about what that actually means. What does that look like for you? And then talk to your people about it. Um, because a lot of times the things that we are not necessarily getting or even the ways that we receive love, we're giving those, but is that touching that person? For me, like Rob already said, quality time is, you know, high, high, high up on my list, especially from Rob, because he's my person quality time with other people, but it doesn't hit the same way. Um, So talking about your emotional love tank, it can be different for all kinds of different things. You know, I can be completely depleted when it comes to work, but I can come home and be around my family and then rob in particular and have a different level on my tank. So it's always good to check in with your people. You know, how's your love tank doing? Are you empty? How's your bucket? You know, what, what can I do to help? And I think one of the hardest things that has been fit for me to figure out is how exactly that looks like just with, cause Rob is very good to ask, you know, what do you need? What can I do? And, you know, I think we're, most of us at this point in life are way past the Well, you should know, you know, it would be nice if, mm-hmm. you know, everyone could read your mind. That's, you know, it's not the way that it is. Just, the world doesn't work that way. So just trying to articulate exactly what quality time looks like for me. So just like Rob said, you know, if we are, we moved recently. So loading a truck, unloading a truck, that does nothing for me in the way of quality time. You know, we're doing it together. We're right there. We're Mm. driving. We're doing whatever, but that is not filling any buckets, any tanks, anything. Mine is more so, actual meaningful conversation. A lot of times when we finally have a minute to connect, it's like, all right, I need groceries. What what meals do you want to eat next week? You know, okay, we have this problem that we're up against. How do we solve it? And it's like, those are things that need to be done. But we actually used to literally have a business meeting. It's like, save all your things. This is a business meeting. This is not date time. This is not quality time. It's not physical touch time. It's not words of affirmation time. This is literally things that we need to get done because, you know, going through life, you have 50, 11 different things that are going on. You have all these moving pieces and parts, and we still have to, you know, work them out. So it's not, I can't always just call you in the middle of the day and be like, I have a 20 point outline of things that we need to go over, you know? So it's, I'm kind of getting off course a little, but just kind of stating the importance of being very purposeful with these languages when, um, and doing them often, which is another podcast for that. Everybody should check out. It's small things often, but it's really like what a couple minutes or something, five minutes. They're really short snippets of, um, just that small things often. So, Um, this is one of the things that we've tried to get into because a lot of times quality time is hard to be had, you know, in chunks of time, we have all the kids around different jobs. And then like I said, we just moved, we have all these different things happening. So how can we insert little bits of a love language here and there? So like Rob said, physical touch, come back behind him and give him a hug, you know, tell him he is a good dad. He did this really well. You know, the yard looks fantastic. You know, trying to throw these things.
2: (laughs) She always compliments the yard. I'm like.
0: (laughs) I like it when our house is pretty. But yeah, just kind of. So some of them are harder than others because my quality time one, it's like chunks of time. So it's, you know, you can't just always jump into like this deep conversation. You got to kind of work up to it. And so my, you know, in an ideal world, I'd have a chunk of three or four hours, you know, at least once a week. And it just doesn't work that way, especially when you have a toddler and a 16 year old, and then half the time a nine year old running around, you know, and then the rest of life. So it's trying to figure out what that means to you. And then taking ownership of your love language. So it's, you know, you can take the test and be like, well, um, receiving gifts, that's mine. So here you go. (coughs) Just like Becca said, it doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. I I'm low. Um, low, high, low. I don't know what you, uh, anyways, receiving gifts is one for me, but it's not big things. It's little things like, you went to the store. Rob is good about this. He sees chocolate and he brings it home. And it's like, oh my gosh, not only did I get chocolate, but my person thought about me while they were at the store. Cause generally I'm like off at work when these Mm -hmm. things happen. So, but if you try to buy me like some big several hundred dollar, whatever, it's like, that makes me really uncomfortable. And then I'm analyzing like, how much did this cost and all this? So it's it's very fruitless. And I, I don't know if this comes from um, Amina Becca's mom. So she does mm-hmm. baskets of things. And it I, I don't know if it just started as like the stocking stuff. But just throughout my life, she's been pivotal in mm-hmm. those little gifts. And she'll, like for your birthday, she'll give you a big bag of things. And it's all things mm-hmm that speak to you, who you are, things you might like, or things that made her think of you. And I love it. And I love giving that to people. So I'm sorry mm-hmm. for whoever has gotten that and don't really, doesn't really enjoy it. But it's fun for me because it's not only is it a challenge, mm-hmm. but it tells my people that I know them when I'm able to do that. And hopefully at least make them <laughs> smile a little bit. But more than anything, I enjoy the heck out of it. I mean, it can be stressful at times because sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know that person mm-hmm. very well, but that would be how receiving, giving and receiving gifts looks for me. Some people, it may be, I want a new car. You know, that's how I feel love. Like Becca said, communication, it's all about talking to people. Um. So in kind of prepping for this podcast, I tried to do some research Um, about the actual benefits of this line of thinking. And, of course, we got some positives, we got some negatives. So just with everything, you know, this is a concept that we are introducing. If it works for you, great. I mean, it's been shown. There's lots of research that says it it is great in the right context if you use it the right way.
1: So, Becca, do you want to talk about a few of the benefits? So... There's some research that indicates that relationship satisfaction for at least heterosexual couples um, is linked to whether or not their person recognizes and uses their preferred love languages. They are still, you know, they are applicable to other relationships in your life. So I don't want anybody to get caught up on that. But yeah, so partners that use their preferred love language or, you know, have that shown to them. Yeah indicate a higher level of, or feeling of love in their relationship. So some benefits of learning about the five love love languages, Um, first increased empathy, um, which I feel like is, feels pretty self-explanatory, but so empathy is the ability to understand and share emotional experiences of others. So, I mean, the important thing here, and I think this goes back to the sentiments as well, um, when Rob was talking about, you know, if you understand different different personalities, different temperaments, then you can um, sort of have a better relationship in terms of like how you interact with that person, what you do for that person, um, what things like you can understand and sort of anticipate their needs in a way. And I think that this also goes along with that. So um, if you can better understand your partners, your friends, your children, your parents, um, your coworkers, then it gives you an opportunity to gain more clarity And empathy for what's important to them and how to make them feel valued and loved. Rather than focusing on what you want and what you think is best for them. Uh, Another benefit is that they're pretty easily understood. So, you know, the five love, love languages are known. They've been around since the 90s. Pretty easy to understand the concepts I mean, it says it's easy to implement. I feel like this is also depends on how communicative you are with your people around you. So I think it can be very easy to implement. And I think it's most effective when you can communicate openly about what your, your needs are and how those needs can be met. So that's just something to think about. Um, and then increased intimacy. So they provide an accessible way for partners to speak the same language about their relationship, which opens the door to greater communication, which like, I feel like I say this a lot, but like relationships are all about, all about communication. They are going to be better, deeper. You're going to get through so much more if you can talk to each other. So like Mandy said, I feel like it's, it's almost a teenager response of like, Oh, they should have known better. Like we just sort of expect each other to like, know what the other person wants and um and, and you know i've gone through that with my husband um my daughter we're, we're doing this now because she's she started saying things like no i said this and like honey you didn't actually say that you're just thinking it and i can't read your mind so like you know trying to reach sort of a more mature level of of relationships which is really important for your mental health um and for you know the well-being of those around you as well. Deeper connection, which I feel like is sort of, you know, another way of saying sort of uh, increased intimacy, but um, using the love language is one way that people both understand and allows each person to provide the things that the others need in the relationship. So taking the steps to understand and use the love languages says to your partner or friend or insert appropriate relationship here, that you get me and I feel seen and loved because you were were thinking of me and you're making effort to make me feel good. And I feel like that like even can be more important than the act itself is like the knowledge that the person is trying. Um, So I feel like also don't be afraid to mess up but try things and again, with that communication piece, like give a gift, how did that feel for you? Like, is this what you need? Did that make you feel loved, right? Try different things. There's also that whole variety is the spice of life. Try new things, it's cool. All right, improved communication. So I feel like I'm just talking a lot about that, so I'll move on, Um, but um, improved relationship satisfaction. So research has indicated that the love languages uh, predict relationship satisfaction, meaning that partners who are able to adapt their behaviors to meet their their partner's needs can also experience deeper, deeper self-development and improved, you know, satisfaction in their relationship. And increased curiosity. So the love languages and sort of understanding your partner better can promote asking questions um, and, it can also lead to, to places that you didn't necessarily expect. So like going back to like, why are these small gifts important to you? Well, growing up and even now still our mother would do these things for us. And that made us feel very special. And that can help you sort of, you know, link back to other things that have happened throughout your life. And it's a, I mean, it's nice to reminisce, but also help your partner understand you a little bit better. Before we
0: um, go into the, the negatives, so to speak, because there's always, you know, something. I wanted to ask Rob, can you share with us maybe some of the benefits that you've seen from love languages in any of the relationships that you've had, any specific examples or just kind of overall?
2: Yeah. So um, just thinking about this um, kind of overall, I very much see Temperaments and love languages is this kind of like life, relationship, success, kind of one, two. They're kind of two pillars. The thing with with life is that, I mean, just stuff's just going to happen. You know, whether you've had a stressful day or some event happens or something goes sideways or just the normal day-to-day stuff of just, you know, over the course of the day, you just, you get emotionally depleted. And then, you know, you run out of toothpaste or, you know, you get a flat tire or you get a call that a family member is sick or something. So those things are just going to happen. What I've come to see the, those are like the bumps in the road of life as you're traveling. What I see the love languages as and, and having that emotional tank full is kind of like the suspension on the car. It's like, how much do you do those things? Do you feel them? How much do they affect you? And so, working on keeping your communication open with your partner about helping you with your tank or you looking to help them with theirs. um, It just allows you to sort of navigate and regulate those emotions better. For me, temperaments is about just avoiding the bumps altogether. It's just like, I'm not gonna, you know, last minute throw my wife up in front of a bunch of people and ask her to talk. That's gonna like, you know, freak her out. But if for some reason she suddenly has to do that out of, you know, no cause of anyone's, you know, the fact that, you know, we have spent time together and she's feeling emotionally full, it might still be stressful, but it's not going to be as stressful. If, you know, I've, we've, we've done that, that quality time. I think also, I think we've all experienced this when you can kind of tell when someone has a little bit more of a, uh, an emotional reaction to something, where the emotional reaction and the the stimulus were they just felt a little bit out of balance. Like there was way more emotion that came out of it than what you think the conver- the uh, situation would call for. And typically, what I've seen in that is somebody's got something going on under the surface, or I think to this topic, that emotional bank account might be getting low, and that's a good opportunity. A lot of what you're talking about, Becca, there with communication, I think a big part of that in relationships is common vocabulary. And it's no different than the fact that we're all sitting here speaking English, right? Um, I have had conversations with people in English where I have no idea what they're saying. It's just because we have different dialects, different. Um, so I think it starts to give us shorthand about how we can um, talk to each other about our relationship improve our relationship, all those things that Becca just listed, those benefits and having this common vocabulary uh, allows us to be able to do that. I, I can, I've also, my introduction to this was back uh, at my, the church that we attended when I was back in the South Carolina area. The Love Languages course was part of a Marriage Foundations class. One of the leaders talked about actually how Misunderstanding this can actually cause some hurt because, uh, he would, before he understood this, his wife was a stay at home mom. He uh, worked out of the home. He would come home. The house would be a mess. Cause you got kids everywhere. He would just start cleaning cause he's very acts of service. So he thought I'm going to help. I'm going to go through and clean. What he didn't realize was she's quality time. What it was saying to her instead of the thing he was trying to do which is like hey i'm here to help you know let me show you how i love you by helping what it was saying to her was man i come home after the end of a long day and then i also have to clean the house because you haven't done it and he said he looked over at her like in the class while somebody was kind of explaining this and he kind of mouth is, is that what i'm doing and he just saw a tear come down You know, and he he had no idea. He was trying to love his wife and he was actually, you know, creating hurt. And so from then on, he came home and kind of dodging kids, dodging toys, grabbed her hand. They went out on the back porch and sat and just had a cup of coffee and caught up on the day. So just knowing this stuff is, I think, very, very practical. Um, Yeah, there's some dialects and there's some um, stuff to, to learn along the way. But having this common vocabulary and understanding these concepts and being on the lookout, you know, for those changes in your your partner's emotional regulation. And like Becca said, being curious to say, what's really going on there? You know, when's the last time we went on a date? When's the last time we just, I just sat in my husband's lap. When's the last time I gave him a hug? When's the last time you told your person you know, in the in, in the in the way that speaks words of affirmation to them, you know, how they're important and the things that they do or what they've accomplished. When's the last time you grabbed a little snack or a little token at the store and brought it to them and say, you know, this made me think of you um, while I was out today. So those are, when I think about all that, that's how I kind of see how all of this comes together holistically.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say kind of on the same side of that we have this term in the medical field that we use when we're trying to document something because I'm trying to paint a picture of what I'm seeing um, so that can go in their medical record and you know I can literally I can just say hey this person is in pain they say their pain level is of whatever but if they come in and they stub their toe and they're wailing and you know just can't writhing can't sit still I would document pain is out of proportion with stated injury. But also Mm -hmm. that's a clue for me to look Mm -hmm. closer. Is there something else going on? Is this person just dramatic? So it's kind of the same thing here. You know, if their package didn't arrive exactly at the time that it should have, and they fly off the handle, is that normal behavior for them? If it's not, is there something else going on? And I think That we can't can't always put the onus on our partner, our friend, our family member. We've got to take some ownership. And I think that's probably one of the hardest parts of the love languages, at least for me, is knowing myself enough to say this is what I need and to be comfortable with saying that. You know, I think we, we, you know, grew up with like the Cinderella story. We're going to get the Prince Charming they're going to come in and everything is going to be great. And we're going to ride off in the sunset and live happily ever after. But there's so much more work involved and you have to know yourself in order to tell someone else, this is what I need. This isn't helpful. This is helpful. And sometimes that can be the hardest part. Um, that kind of goes into some of the criticisms. So um, sometimes, like Becca said, your love languages can change and mine have. Uh, so from young adulthood, even at kind of into mid and now I'm in my 40s, my lo- love languages have shifted. The ones that were important you know, before aren't now. So that's another thing to keep in mind is sometimes you have to revisit the test or revisit just you know, you know the five love languages, the, the concept is not that difficult to understand, but you have to take the time, do an internal check. What says love to me, what shows love to me, what's most important to me. Also, one of the other the negatives is it can be misused. Sometimes there's like deeper underlying problems and people are like, Well, let's do the love languages, it's gonna fix everything. Well, it's not a one-stop shop. It's, you know, just a concept that you can use along with, you know, all the other concepts that are out there, you know, which I feel like the top one being just communication. Communication is, is key. Um, love languages are not the only ways to show love. So, which is very true. And it, all of these, like, like I said, it's just, we're going to harp on it. Communication, communication, communication. It goes back to communication. It's, this isn't the only way to show and receive love it's just an idea that was developed that a lot of people have taken over and if you are conscientious enough you know then you can figure out what works and what doesn't for you and then of course like becca was talking about earlier it was created um for traditional relationships you know doesn't mean that they it can't be used you know, for homosexual couples or LGBTQ community, but that is uh, someone had to come up with some criticisms and that's what they came up with, you know? So I'm not speaking to that, you know, as far as it can't be used or it won't be helpful. It's just, it was based, you know, by this conservative Christian view. So they, that those types of relationships weren't taken into account. Um, But I think it's still a good concept and, If you fall into that category, I still stand behind that, you know, yourself, you can communicate to someone else, then it's kind of right on the money. And then some people, which I feel like this isn't just with love languages, some couples or friends or family members have the need to keep score. And I feel like if that's the case, then are you truly in a loving relationship it kind of begs the question but you know like hey I did this so now it's your turn to do this or who does more who does less you know and that I feel like if you're in a genuinely loving relationship whether it's a friendship or a family member or you know your partner that shouldn't be a thing but some people are that way so yeah so that kind of wraps up the basis of the love languages, kind of how they can be utilized in all of relationships, and how obviously if your relationships are happy and fulfilled, then you're going to feel more happy and fulfilled. It doesn't mean that if you're depressed or you're anxious or you're having, you know, a suicidal ideation, that just because your, your relationship is fantastic, that those are going to go by the wayside. It's just going to help give you that added boost. Like Rob said, you know, those things that you encounter may be just bumps instead of big divots. You know, you might not fall deep into the Valley. um, if you hit a hiccup, if some of the other things in your life are kind of full or at an even keel, so anybody else have anything else to share? Any last thoughts kind of before we. So we can definitely use all these strategies and relationships, but I think if I can get a point across today, it's know yourself and be comfortable with saying what you need in so many things, you know, it, not just relationships, not just with the love languages, just in life in general, know yourself, be comfortable with who you are and the way that you're wired because we're all different. And if we were all the same, it would be the boringest world for sure. But anyway, I will put a link to the, um, love languages test. It's pretty simple. You can Google it. Um, if anybody is interested in taking that, and then I can also send the links to the, um, some of the other research that I found from some psychologists on the subject. And um, I think that brings us to the end of our episode for today. So thanks, Becca. And thank you, Rob, for helping us in a pinch um, come in and talk about this. And um, thanks for everyone else out there for joining us today. We hope uh, this has all beneficial for everyone. And we look forward to next time.